welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Hebrews with this message entitled, Jesus, Our Eternal Savior. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter 7. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to know the truth that will set us free. Help us to know your word that speaks of your Son, who alone is competent to set us free from the wrath of God, from sin, from Satan, from all evil. Therefore, O God, have mercy upon us. Control our thinking this morning. May your powerful word enter into our heart, our mind, that we may enjoy the freedom that Jesus Christ brings to us, to all who call upon the name of the Lord. This we pray in his name. Amen. Now, if you don't understand anything, I am going to preach to you whose problem it is. It is according to the book of Hebrews, not mine, but your problem. The writer calls you stupid, slow, sluggards. So don't blame me if you don't understand anything I preach to you this morning. I want to preach to you Jesus, our eternal Savior. Because he is our eternal high priest. The church of the Hebrews was tempted to go back in some way to Judaism. To go back to its Aaronic priesthood and law and sacrificial system. I suppose to avoid persecution and suffering for the sake of Jesus Christ. The author tells them that to go back to Judaism is to go back to shadow, having seen the reality of Jesus Christ. They need to consider the reality of the priesthood of Christ which made the old sacrificial system and law obsolete. The author presented Jesus as superior to angels and Moses. Now he presents Jesus superior to Aaron and Aaronic priesthood. This is a difficult teaching. He acknowledged, especially because of the slowness of the church of the Hebrews. This doctrine is meat, meant for spiritual adults. It is a teaching somewhat difficult to understand since, as I already said, they became slow of learning. He touched on this subject, the priesthood of Christ, before. Turn with me to chapter 2 and verse 17. 
For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And chapter 3 and verse 1, Therefore, my brothers, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest, whom we confess. And he, we read this again in chapter 4, verse 14 and 15, chapter 5, verse 5 and 10, and of course, chapter 6, verse 20. Where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf, he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. To solve their spiritual problem, they must meditate, think earnestly on the high priesthood of Christ, which he deals with in detail, in chapter 7 through chapter 10, verse 18. This teaching of the superiority of the priesthood of Christ is the heart of this epistle. And it is meant to cure the church's serious problem of backsliding. When clearly understood this teaching, the people of God will enjoy infinite comfort. First, we want to look at this character, Melchizedek. Historical Melchizedek. And you read about Melchizedek in the book of Hebrews, and in Genesis 14, and in Psalm 110. A historical figure, Melchizedek, appears in Genesis 14. His name means king of righteousness. He was king of Salem, means Jerusalem, according to Psalm 76 and verse 2. He was both king and priest, even as Jesus is both king and priest. He ruled in righteousness, and so he ruled in peace. He was priest of God Most High. As a descendant of Shem, Melchizedek and Abraham served the true God, the God of glory. This Melchizedek appears suddenly, without any warning, and without any genealogical record. He is not a supernatural being, an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ, as some would suppose. But the text says, Melchizedek was made like the Son of God. There is no identity here. He meets Abraham when he returned, having defeated the four eastern kings and rescued Lot and others. Melchizedek refreshed Abraham with wine and bread. 
he blessed Abraham to whom Abraham paid a tenth of all choicest plunder in the name of the Lord who gave him victory. Second, this Melchizedek was great, great Melchizedek. The author treats this Melchizedek as a type of Jesus Christ and his superior priesthood. We are not given the genealogy of this priest Melchizedek. It was important for priests to have a clear genealogical record of his parents, his birth and his death and so on. No such genealogy is given for Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High. The author treats this silence of Scripture as well as the statements of Scripture concerning Melchizedek as inspired. And he learns and he teaches us lessons from both the silence of God and statements of God with reference to this priest. In the silence, the author sees a divine purpose. So he concludes that Melchizedek's priesthood is to be likened to that of eternal Son of God, who is also without beginning or end. Even as Melchizedek is declared in the scripture without beginning or end. This does not mean Melchizedek was a biological anomaly. As a historical person, Melchizedek was born, lived and died just like others. Yet God presents him in Genesis 14 without genealogical record of his birth or death that he may function as a type of the Son of God who in truth has no beginning or end. So the priesthood of Jesus is after the order of Melchizedek. This we read in Psalm 110 and verse 4. Melchizedek was superior to Abraham and superior to Aaron. How do we know this? Abraham was the patriarch of Jewish nation. He received promises from God. He is called a prince and he is called a friend of God. He is revered greatly in Jewish history. And Jesus, the Savior of the world, was to come through the line of Abraham. Yet, this Abraham recognizes Melchizedek as royal priest of the Most High God. He therefore pays him spontaneously the tithe of the plunder. In this act we see Melchizedek as superior to Abraham. Because he who receives tithe is superior to he who gives 
tithe. Melchizedek also blessed Abraham. And we are told the lesser receives blessing from the greater. Or the greater blesses the lesser. One can say also, the author says, that Levi in Abraham paid Melchizedek tithe because Levi was a great grandson of Abraham. Levi was to collect tithes from his brothers. So before his brothers, Levi is superior. And yet, here in Abraham, Levi also gives tithes to the superior priest Melchizedek. So Melchizedekian priesthood is greater than Levitical and Aaronic priesthood. For Melchizedek blessed Abraham and Melchizedek received or collected tithes from Abraham and from his descendant Levi. And Melchizedek did not have any recorded genealogy like that of Aaron. He belongs to a different order of priesthood. And we see in the Bible the greater blesses the lesser. For instance, Isaac blessed Jacob. You read about it in chapter 27 of Genesis. And the Lord blessed Jacob in chapter 32 of Genesis, where Jacob pleads with the Lord, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Then the Lord blessed him there. And we read how Jacob blessed his 12 children in Genesis 48 and 49. And we also read Moses blessing Israel in Deuteronomy 33. So the author tells us that this Melchizedek is greater than Abraham, greater than Levi, greater than Aaron and greater than Aaronic priesthood. That is, Aaronic priesthood is greater than Melchizedek, the lesser than Melchizedekian uh, priesthood. Now, the third thing we want to say is, one who is greater than Aaron and Melchizedek. And that, of course, is Jesus Christ, our eternal savior and eternal high priest. The author pictures our Lord, he calls him our Lord in chapter 7 and verse 14, and Jesus, verse 22 and 23. The author pictures our Lord Jesus superior not only to Aaron and his priesthood, but also superior to Melchizedek himself as a copy is superior to the original, as a type is superior to the anti-type, and as a shadow is superior to reality. Melchizedek's priesthood, without genealogy, was pointing to the eternal priesthood of the eternal Son, 
remember that not Jesus but the eternal son Jesus had his genealogy the author is speaking about the eternal son without beginning or end Melchizedek's priesthood was a living forever priesthood chapter 7 verse 3 and 8 because there was no genealogy telling us that he died for all practical purpose the author sees Melchizedek still as living pointing to the priesthood of Jesus Christ who lives always unlike of course the Levitical priesthood which was a dying priesthood we are told there were over 80 priests served in the sanctuary from the time of Aaron to the destruction of the temple why is that because they were weak men sinful men so they died the Aaronic priesthood was temporary preparatory partial and provisional to be in due time made obsolete it was God's eternal decree that a superior priesthood should set aside and replace Aaronic priesthood this plan is revealed in Psalm 110 verse 4 while the Aaronic priesthood was functioning and we read about this at least five times in this epistle that the author quotes from 110th Psalm but here verse 21 of chapter 7 when God said to him that is said to his eternal son in eternity the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind you are a priest forever that ought to tell us that God's eternal purpose was to save his people through the ministry of his son and through his eternal priesthood as God promised to Abraham salvation and established it with an oath for his greater encouragement to his son he now makes an oath that he will be a priest forever for our eternal comfort it was God's eternal plan he gave an oath to the son from all eternity that he his son fulfill the eternal covenant that we will read about in chapter 13 verse 20 that he fulfilled the eternal covenant by means of his eternal priesthood turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and you notice this idea that we are chosen in Jesus Christ verse 4 for he chose us in him before the creation of the world and this is where you find the eternal covenant and the eternal high priesthood of Jesus Christ which God gave it to him with an oath and verse 11 of chapter 1 of Ephesians in him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will 
there is an eternal covenant and an eternal priesthood through which the covenant is fulfilled to us. What was the priesthood to accomplish? That God's Son become incarnate, that he live perfectly obedient life, and as priest according to the order of Melchizedek, he offer himself to God in behalf of our sins, that he be raised from the dead, ascended into the presence of God, and as eternal priest make intercession for all those who draw near to God through Jesus. Father made this oath from eternity that he may be just and justifier of all those who come through the priesthood of Jesus Christ. Why this superseding? Why this annulling and setting aside of Aaronic priesthood by the priesthood of Christ? Because we are told in this epistle that Aaronic priesthood was a shadow and not reality. Turn with me to chapter 8 and verse 5. They serve, that is the Aaronic priests, serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. And chapter 10 verse 1. The law is only a shadow. This means the law as well as the priesthood. The law is only a shadow of good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. And we are told that the law and the Aaronic priesthood never made anyone perfect. Chapter 7, verse 11 and 18. What does it mean that the law and the priesthood never made anyone perfect? It means it never made anyone acceptable to God. And so one can approach God in worship. It never brought forgiveness of sins. It could not justify anyone before God. It cannot cleanse human conscience. It never made purification for sins. It prevented people from coming to God's presence in the Holy of Holies beyond the veil. It required people to worship God from a distance. So let us read chapter 7 verse 11. If perfection could have been Attained, that is, justification could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood. That means it could not have been obtained. For on the basis of it, the law was given. Why was there still need for another priest to come? It therefore tells you it was never given for the purpose of forgiving our sins. Look at verse 18 of chapter 7. The former regulation is set aside, cancelled, annulled. Because, it says, it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. 
and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And that better hope, of course, is Jesus Christ, and a better covenant, and better promises, and, and all that. When Christ sacrificed himself on the cross and rose again from the dead, Aaronic priesthood was superseded. It was set aside to disappear, of course, completely in A.D. 70. The shadow now is replaced by the gospel of Jesus Christ, the reality of salvation on the basis of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The law and the Aaronic priesthood were, as I read to you, weak and useless. It never made anybody acceptable to God through the forgiveness of sins. It could never solve human problem of sin and cause people to come to have fellowship with God. You may ask the question, then what about the people in the Old Testament? Were they saved? Were, were their sins forgiven? And the answer is yes. Look at Abraham and David and, and look at the people in chapter 11. A whole list of people, a partial list of people are there. Now how are they saved? The answer is God regenerated them by the Holy Spirit and granted them Faith to believe in the Messiah, which the sacrificial system pointed to, and the law pointed to. Their sins were forgiven. And they were saved the same way we are saved. There is no other way to be saved. We are saved by regeneration and by repenting of our sins and trusting in the Messiah that was to come. And we are regenerated and we repented of our sins and trust in the Messiah who came and died on the cross in our place. And so we read in Hebrews 11, they all lived by faith. So the question we must ask is, why the law and the Aaronic priesthood given? If they could not save anyone, what was the purpose of giving the law and the sacrificial system? Well, let's, let's turn to the book of Galatians and to find an answer. What's the purpose of it? Galatians 3 and verse 21. Here is a question. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. That ought to tell you the law was not given that it may impart life. That was not its purpose. Now turn to Romans 8 and verse 3. And you read it recently. For what the law was powerless to do. The law was holy, spiritual, and good. But the problem was with us. What the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature. God did it by sending his son, Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 3, 7 and 9. The Lord brought death 
and the law brought condemnation. In 1 Corinthians 15, 56, the power of sin is the law. The law gives power to sin. So we sinful people sin more when the law is spoken. Romans 3 and verse 20, we are told why the law was given. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law we become conscious of sin. And conscious of our rottenness. Conscious of our total depravity and pervasiveness of sin. Look at chapter 4 of Romans and verse 15. Because law brings wrath. Wrath of God. The law brings wrath. It does not bring life. It is not meant to impart life. But it brings consciousness of sin. And it points to the wrath of God. And chapter 5 of Romans and verse 20. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. <laughs> That's why you, when you tell the law, the law, the law, unless you are born again, there's no hope. And the same person is going to sin more and more and more and more. There is no capacity within us to do anything else. Turn to chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews and verse 11. The author tells us day after day every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifice, notice, which can never take away sins. And Galatians 3 and verse 24. So the law was put in charge not to save us. It cannot save us. The law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, a superior priest, and who functions in the superior priesthood, that we might be justified by faith. What, let me read to you chapter 2, 15 and 16 of Galatians. We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified, or Hebrew writer's language, that we may be perfected by faith in Christ, and not by observing the law. Because, notice, by observing the law, no one will be justified. And the Romans 10 and verse 4, it tells us, Christ is the end or goal of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. In other words, the law was given for the purpose that we may become conscious of sin, conscious of our desperate sinful condition, that we may be made conscious of the wrath of God that is revealed against us that we may go to Christ and by faith in him and in his sacrifice that we may be saved. So the purpose of the law 
and the Aaronic priesthood was to make us conscious of our sins and lead us to Christ, our Savior. It was never intended to justify us by doing the works of the law. It is the priesthood of Christ and his law of faith that justifies and makes us enjoy fellowship with God. Aaron was sinful himself. He was a dying priest. And he sacrificed animals, brute animals, unconscious and unwilling. He sacrificed animals as sinner's substitute. How can its blood cleanse us from our sins? We needed a priest who is God-man. Perfect God and perfect man. We needed a priest not after the order of Aaron, but after the order of Melchizedek. Such a priest came in the fullness of time. Based on God's eternal oath. Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under law and under its curse of death, that we might receive full rights of sons. He was perfect and made perfect through sufferings. We are told, though he was son, he learned obedience through suffering and was perfected to become the source of salvation to all who obey him. He put away our sins once for all by making atonement for our sins. It was impossible for Aaronic priesthood to take away sins. Look at the superiority of the priesthood of Christ. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10 and 14. Well, let me read verse 4 first and then verse 10 and then verse 14 and then you will discover the absolute superiority of Jesus and his priesthood and then you will discover that he is our eternal savior. Look at verse 4. Because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. And chapter 10 and verse 10. And by that will, the will of God, which Jesus fulfilled, we have been made holy. And I would translate it, we have been perfected. We have been made holy, notice, through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once for all. All animal sacrifice pointed to this sacrifice of the body of Jesus. And then look at verse 14. Because by one sacrifice, Jesus Christ has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is greater. Greater than angels, greater than Moses, greater than Aaron, and greater than Aaronic priesthood. And may I say, greater than Melchizedek. Why Jesus makes us 
perfect. He is characterized by the power of indestructible life. Aaron is sinful, weak and dying. Not so the Son of God. Jesus, our Lord. He is greater. He is mighty. He makes us perfect. He brings us to the very presence of God. Behind the veil. Because the veil itself is torn. There is a new and living way. Created by this son. And in his name be drawn near. Be drawn near to worship God. And the father is eager to see us. To bless us. Heavenly father we pray that you help us. To understand the word that speaks to us about your son our great high priest our mighty savior that we sinners barred from the presence of God may through faith in Christ come to the presence of God and be blessed forever this we pray in Jesus name Amen You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio with Continuing Bible Series on the Book of Hebrews with this message entitled, Jesus, Our Eternal Savior. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthew.